You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Father in heaven, this is our prayer this morning, that the living Lord Jesus Christ would be enough for us, and that his obedience and his testing would be imputed to us as righteousness. Because of that this morning, Lord, we will not let conscience make us linger. We will not dream fondly of fitness because everything that you have required of us, you give to us. Speak to us, Lord, now we pray, and give us faith to believe in your name. Amen. It's been a wonderful privilege to be with you these last few days. If you still have a Bible open to the Gospel of Mark, I want to look at the story of Jesus' temptation and, and why it is here. You'll notice the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, according to Mark, starts in the wilderness. And right here, smack dab in the middle of the wilderness, there's water flowing. John's water baptism is a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus has come to take the plunge. The text tells us that Jesus is in the wilderness for, for 40 days, and that's another way of saying he is there for a very long time. So for a very long time, Jesus is in the wilderness. Now, if you are a bit familiar with the Bible, bells will start ringing the moment you begin to read this story. And if you go all the way back to the first pages of the Bible in the First Testament, you will remember that there the story begins with Adam cast out of Eden's paradise garden into the wilderness, exiled because of his sin, evicted and thrust into this spiritually barren wasteland and the thorns and thistles, a a painful reminder of everything they've lost. The world is no longer a safe place. It is no longer a home, but it is now hostile with predatory animals and poisonous serpents and eating your bread by the sweat of your brow. And then now at the beginning of the Second Testament, Jesus, the Son of God, has has come down. The Son of God has condescended from heaven right into that very wilderness, into the sin-sick spiritual barrenness of that broken world. Think of this. The the creator of the universe, the, the maker of all things, now in the wilderness with no food, no shelter, no comfort, except the angels ministering to him. The wild animals are there, which means most likely Jesus is never at ease, always on edge, always wondering if and when and how and where these predatory animals will use the element of surprise or their camouflage or their speed or their power to tear him apart. It seems to last forever, for 40 days. Of course, those 
Those 40 days remind us of the book of Moses, the book of Exodus, which in its 40 chapters tell us how Moses was in Egypt for 40 years and then in the wilderness for 40 years. And Moses was on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights receiving the law of God. We know how the story goes. Israel then wanders in the desert for 40 years, peripatetic punishment for their sin. In these stories, the wilderness is always a place of testing, a time of trial, a time of probation. And the burning question for these 40 days and for these 40 years is, will Israel pass the test? Will the chosen people of God cling to his word? Will God's chosen ones do his will? Will, they, will Israel's God's faithful son indeed be faithful? Well, we know, we know how the story goes, and we know the answer to that question from beginning to the very end, the answer is always the same. No, they, they, they will not obey. They cannot be faithful. They would not do it. They could not do it. They did not do it. They simply would not pass the test. And it seems like the only thing they are good at for those 40 years was the building of a weapons-grade idol factory manufacturing every kind of God-damned sin and faithlessness. That's what they were good at. And so now when we, when we read that the Spirit immediately drove Jesus into the wilderness, we know exactly what's going on. Jesus, the, the Son of God, has, has come to the place of testing The Son of God is in the the wilderness on probation. He has come to that wilderness. The locus delicti is the way the lawyers would call it. The place of the crime. He is on the crime scene. The scene of human brokenness. He has come to to the very place of rebellion and idolatry and spiritual adultery and disobedience. And he is there to take the test. Just like Israel. And Jesus has come to do the will of God and to show that man does not live by bread alone, but by the word that comes from the mouth of God. He is not here to eat. He is not here to feast, but to fast because his food is to do the will of the one who sent him so that he would lose nothing of all that the Father has given him but raise them up on the last day. See, Jesus has come to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus has come to give us 40 days of obedience, 40 days of obedient trust to his heavenly Father, 40 days of resisting the devil, the world, and the flesh. For 40 years, Israel disobeyed the law of God, and now 40 days in the wilderness, Jesus perfectly obeys the law of God. He has come to be humbled and to be obedient, eventually obedient to death on the cross. And see, all of this is going according to plan, for it was fitting, as the scriptures say, for for he whom 
By him and for him all things exist to bring many sons to glory so that the founder of their salvation would be made perfect through suffering. I've I've always wondered during these 40 days, what was going through Jesus' mind? What was he thinking and what was he praying and what was he saying to God during this ordeal? And I I don't mean to put words in his mouth, but I've often wondered if if he would pray the, the kind of prayer that we would often pray when we are desperately tested and sore pressed and struck down. I've always imagined that he would pray something like Psalm 91 or maybe even that Psalm 91 had predicted that Jesus would be in this very predicament. Listen to these words. Imagine just for a moment Jesus praying this while he is being tempted. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Okay, can't you just hear him pray it? And he's, and he's praying it even now for, for you and for me. The text says, he alone is my refuge, my place of safety. Oh, surely the Son of God had to find his place of refuge and safety with his almighty Father. And then the text says, Psalm 91, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will, he will cover you with his feathers and he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promise for your protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness nor the disaster that strikes by day. Though a thousand may fall at your side. Though 10,000 are dying among you, these evils will not touch you. No evil will come near you. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. I can just imagine Jesus praying that. The text closes with, you will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions. These are the wild animals that Jesus was confronted with these 40 days. Do you hear the good news of Jesus Christ? Because just like Israel looked away and was unfaithful, the same way we have looked away, but Jesus Christ had his focus on his almighty Father. Jesus clung to God when we would let go. Jesus resisted temptation when you and I give in. Jesus found his refuge in God. Jesus had good faith and confidence in his heavenly father so that 40 days of obedience is for you and for me. His obedience, not just the death on the cross, but his obedience is credited to me as righteousness for as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners so that by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Well, at the beginning of 40 days of Lent, I, can't, I cannot think of better news than this. Because Jesus has already gone before. 
Jesus has already given us 40 days of obedience, 40 days of fasting, 40 days of being sold out to God, 40 days of living on the word, 40 days fasted for you, clung to God's word for you, prayed to be delivered for you, victorious over the devil for you, obedient in your place. Jesus, the second Adam, passes the test. Jesus, the new Israel, obedient in your place. And I don't want to push the hermeneutical limits of this text too much, but I wonder about John's luncheon that day. He is consuming the consuming locusts for lunch as if to suggest this is exactly what the prophets have telling us about because this son of God has come to bring fountains in the midst of the valleys, a pool of water in the wilderness, and it is for you. Oh, thanks be to God that Jesus Christ is much more powerful to save than Adam is to ruin, as John Calvin said. Pastor Craig, I don't know if Episcopalians say amen, but I'd say amen. Thanks be to God that Jesus Christ is much more powerful to save than Adam is to ruin. Don't you, don't you see it? The, the center of your sufficiency is in the life of another. So that you can say, upon a life I did not live, upon a death I did not die, upon another's life, another's death, I stake my entire eternity. And because of him, as Paul says, you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom of God righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And I was telling my friends back home that I was heading to a church full of Episcopalians who were feasting during Lent. They were confused. <laughs> but according to this passage, go ahead and feast. Go ahead and boast in the Lord and rejoice in your freedom and take your joy from what Jesus Christ has done for you. Let not conscience make you linger. Do not begin dreaming of your fitness because if you do, you will never be enough. You will never be good enough. But stand on this for the next 40 days that even though your conscience is constantly accusing you of having sinned in word and thought and deed. And even though your heart is prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. We boast in the Lord because today, without any merit of our own, out of mere grace, Jesus Christ imputes to us his perfect righteousness and satisfaction and sanctification, and he grants these things to us as if we had never sinned at all and as if we had been obedient to every law. And all I have to do is to believe these things with a believing heart. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Believe the good news of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.